From the PSIA ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair, and what a great guest tonight. Frank Cartwright is joining us uh, from the Eastern Division. Frank's going to be trying out for the national team next year, we hope. And uh, Frank, thanks very much for taking the time to chat with us. George, thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you taking out the time to just uh, allow me to share some thoughts and have a conversation with you about skiing. I can always talk hours about skiing, so thanks for having me. You're most welcome. And I had that caveat, we hope, because tryouts have changed a little bit this year. You, this is How many times is this trying out for you? Well, uh, this will make my third time. I, I had an opportunity to try out back in uh, 2012 and then uh, 2016. And how has it changed? You can't just sign up and try out, can you? No, no. It's actually changed quite a bit uh, since the first time I tried out. Um, previously, uh, during those last two tryouts, national was the actual the deciding factor on who and, and what candidates were allowed to uh, show up for the on on snow uh, tryout. Both and the first time at the Snowbird, and the, this last time at Breckenridge. Um, but recently, I think probably through you know uh, conversations with other members of both headquarters and the regions, the regions wanted to have a little bit more say in what candidates they were sending to the national team tryouts. So even though a lot of us are, have made our regional uh, teams, we now are required to have a what we call a nomination letter that comes from a region. So uh, and specifically in my region, we had to kind of sh- uh, deliver our package already. And so headquarters, in my case, Albany is already looking at mine and our other Eastern team members packages. And through that review, they will determine whether they're going to send all of us, which happen to be nine or a subset of that. And in making that decision, those are the individuals will get a nomination letter. And those are the ones that will be showing up in uh, Breckenridge in April next year. So are there going to be fewer people at the original cutdowns? You know, I, I, you know I, I can't really say. Uh, in the times I tried out, they generally kept the number around 40 or maybe 45 uh, candidates and, and then making that, allowing that to be a bit more manageable because obviously they're pulling in previous uh, team members and also US team coaches, et cetera. Um, I would imagine based on that number, each region, um, they're probably going to keep the numbers fairly low. I'm not sure what the numbers look like in the different regions. I know for this last tryout that I had for the Eastern team, they only took nine of us. Wow. Now, I'm, I'm sorry, my head's just spinning with questions right now. <laughs> I, I, no I'm thinking there's so much I want to ask you, and I, I really want to get into all of these, but I'm really thinking about that moment. There's 45 candidates there in a room, and you've got to be looking at each other thinking, who of us is going to make the cut down? It, it sounds so competitive, and, and this one actually is competitive. You can't just go in there and uh, meet a standard. You're actually competing against other people correct absolutely absolutely and you and you and you can't understate that uh, overstate excuse me the, the the level of anxiety and, and, and nerves and chattering teeth if you will with you know when you're looking at some of the talent that's in that room uh you know but you're, you're absolutely right and, and and in addition to all of that you have to kind of dig deep and really start to build some level of camaraderie so aside from it being a competition and looking at and, and looking from left to right your competitor but they're also looking at your moves, meaning how, how, how inclusive are you? Are you encouraging others, both on snow and off snow? Are you, or are you someone that's, you know, kind of shrieks into the corner? So they're, they're looking for that very energetic, lively, very approachable 
um, individual. And that's what makes this whole selection process very unique. It's not, you know, one specific uh, skill that you're good at. You, you got to have to be the all around package. You got to be able to ski it. You got to be able to talk it. You got to be able to teach it. You got to be able to discuss it and, and on, you know, in preparation or even off uh, ad hoc. You know, they may catch you on surprise and give you a topic that you did not have time to prepare for and you got to chat about it. So they're they're looking for the all around package and it's 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 tough. I, I'm not going to lie to you. And it's five days of hell. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what is that like as far as mental preparation for something like this? Because I, I think you would walk into that room and by you, I mean, all of us. And you see someone there who's been on the team once, twice, three times. Uh <laughs> And it's like, oh, my gosh, there's so-and-so. And at the same time, you know, that person has got to be thinking, wow, I've made the team before. Now the pressure's really on me to make it again. <laughs> You're right. And it is. And I, and I think there's different levels of pressure, those that are new to it and trying to take it all in and, and trying to figure out what's what what's going to happen from moment to moment. And then you have the veterans that are there that, yes, they may have been on, you know, once, twice or three times. But then there's that pressure that, you know, am I going to get bumped by some new guy? Um, but what's kind of cool about that, and I think once you get past that, and I have to kind of tip my hat to a lot of the current team members is that they are. And I think that's why they really encourage us to help one another because it does help the nerves. I mean, I've been lucky in my last two tryouts to be uh, on the same squad, if you will, with uh, Dave Lyons and also uh, Eric Lipton. And, uh, you know, and, and, and oddly enough, Eric, you know, I know he's out west now, but, you know, he was an eastern East Coast guy and I've known him here and we, we get along great. You know, he's actually stayed in my place a couple of times when he had to do events at my home mountain. Um, Dave Lyons, I've been to his camp. So there's a bit of relationship not only outside of the tryouts, but because of that, when I'm there and I happen to be in their same squad as we go through the different sections during the tryout, you know, it, it really feels like these are my buddies and we're just together and, you know, they're encouraging me and telling me the good run or, you know, all right, if I feel like I'm down on myself, they're kind of shake it off. It's good. You got a long day, Frank, don't worry about it. And it, it really helps pick you up when the moments when you get, cause that's, I think the hardest part sometimes of tryouts, you getting in your own head. Oh, exactly. That's, yeah. I mean, I think of, of a race, uh, just comparing it to that, where if you go into it and you feel like you've prepared as well as you can, as far as your training, your diet, everything that you're doing leading up to that, and you're confident in everything you've done, and you are beaten by someone else, to me, it, it, you can walk up to that person and, and very happily say, wow, that was a great job. But if you're not at that level of prep preparation, there's always those excuses that are hanging around. So how do you reach that level of preparation for this tryout? It, it, it's tough, but you, you start early and you, you know, you try to get, you got to go in with the right attitude and, 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 you know, bring to the table the best that you have and try to, and, and, and have no regrets. You know, myself personally, I mean, you know, having been through it twice, I think it was been, it was good that I got a chance to kind of see and understand what to expect. So for my own personal preparation, you know, I start early. I, I'm trying to prepare myself mentally as well as physically. Um, so there's a lot of training that I do here at home, whether it's, you know, biking, uh, working on ski-specific drills. Um, I mean, I'm already reading through my technical manual, taking personal notes, trying to understand and re-understand certain components and aspects. We have a new te uh, teaching manual, and there's a lot of, of, of very 
different information compared to our previous teacher and teaching manuals and core competencies. So those are the kind of things that I think build build your that level of confidence so that when you do show up on the hill, you know, at this point, you kind of have to say, look at yourself in the, in the eye if you can, you know, uh, ideally and say, you know what, I've prepared the best that I can and I'm going to put it all out here. And if it's good enough and they accept me and, I, and, and, and I'm providing the quality and the skills that they're interested in, great. If not, I, I, you know, I'll just go back to the drawing board, but at least I've left it all there on the snow. And anything that you've learned tips wise or however you want to put it from the, the previous two tryouts that you're bringing into this tryout that you think is going to put you over the top? Yes. And that is sometimes I notice the first tryout, I was too literal. When they said do this, I did exactly that. The second tryout, I think I probably went in a little too aggressive aside from getting in my own nerves and, and, and conditioning. Um, but I'm prepared for that. This tryout, I think I'm going to probably say, you know what, there's a little bit of interpretation that I can probably add into that. I know that they're going to ask for specific things and I will, by all means, I will deliver that, but there will be some element of interpretation on my own to allow myself to execute that task or deliver that information in the best way possible. So they can see some level of, of uh, creativity on my part and an ability to actually enhance that, that, that task to my advantage. You said something a little earlier I'd like to expand on, which was, you know, Eric Lipton and Dave Lyons being there and maybe seeing you down about something and saying, come on, you got to pick yourself up. How do you do that after a day where you're, you're looking back on it thinking, wow, I just didn't have it today. How can you regroup from that and then really put in a stellar performance? You know, it's funny, at least I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, it, it, this is a very awkward thing to say, but for some reason, when I get upset with my performance, I, that has been a tool to eliminate my fear because I do, I have to admit, I do have a bit of a performance anxiety. My heart races, I get nervous. And unfortunately when you're executing tasks that require physical endurance and strength and your muscles are shaking because you're nervous, it does have an effect. But I have noticed that, you know, when I try to regroup, sometimes I've learned to use that, I'll call it disappointment to my advantage. And that literally takes the fear away. And I realize, I said, you know, at this point, I have no place to go but up. And that's what helps me regroup when I realize that I had a bad performance and I know they scored it and they probably didn't score very favorably. I say to myself, you know what? You have nothing to lose at this point. So if you can, if you, if, if this is a, if you've delivered your worst at this point, anything you do now can only be good. And I just use that to my strength and go, you know what? All out. I remember one time during my Eastern team tryout, I had a moment like that. And one of the tasks on the on the second day was to do a free uh, in you know fall line bump run. I went through it and I did it right in front of Murmur Blake's Murmur Blakesley and uh, didn't care. I popped a helicopter, landed it, and kept going. People thought I was crazy. <laughs> and normally, why would you do that during an exam tryout for the Eastern team? But I did it because at that point I thought I had nothing to lose. I was regrouped. I didn't care. I said I was just going all out, so I just threw one, landed, and kept going. It was great. <laughs> <I still> get... <laughs> now, let's step back a little bit. You guys are the best of the best in these tryouts. And I want you to compare this. I, I asked a number of people the same question. But you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording. Because 
yes, you're at a to- totally different level, but I think psychologically, it can't be a whole lot different than that new person going for their level one, that person who's been working and maybe failed a couple of times and is going for their level two, level three. Kind of touch on those. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and again, I, I, I do believe that it's it's relatively scale, but relatively it's it's equivalent. You know, the, you know, at, at a level one, you know, you still have a fairly novice skier whose skill set may, may not be well-defined. They're still very much new to the organization. They're very much new to the exam process. So there's a certain level of nervousness, nervousness and anxiety that they're presenting and bringing to that exam process. However, when they go to level two, my skill set may be a little bit better and my experience may be a little bit more, but nonetheless, I'm now required to perform at a much different level. So again, I continue to bring that same level of anxiety and fear and self-doubt. And it doesn't change necessarily as you go from level three to a development team, to Eastern team, to national team. Your skill sets may improve, but that environment itself still remains and those still self-doubts and fear. I mean, Murmur Blakesley wrote a book on, you know, the, the, you know, the yikes zone, or, you know, that, that really focuses on fear and how to address that. And how do you conquer that fear? There's a lot that goes into that. And, you know, it, it's really, how do you prepare for that exam situation and those nerves? How do we get ourselves in that spot where we can really train to overcome that? Or can you? I think you can. I mean, I'm, you look, I am a, I personally am a work in progress, so I clearly don't have this mastered, but I do believe that through, uh, you know, through over time, I think I'm getting a little bit better um, there. And I think you touched on it earlier when we brought about just being prepared. There's certain things you can do. There, there are things you can obviously that you know, people wrote books about, whether they're breathing exercises or mental uh, uh, preparations. And these are all things that work, but there's going to be something that works well for you. I think for myself, in terms of nerves, it's really has to do with familiarity with the environment. Um, also, physically being ready, endurant, that was a big challenge for me. I am from the East Coast, and obviously these tryouts are held out west with altitudes that are well exceeding 10,000 feet. You know, my home mountain alone probably is a, a 3,200. So one of the things I'm doing to kind of prepare for that is actually expose myself to that environment a little bit more so that altitude is not a, not a challenge. Also, from a skill set and nerves, really just having confidence and just practicing, practicing and practicing. Perfect practice makes perfect performance. So I, I spend a lot of time executing tasks. I am on my hill known as the drill master. So not only do I execute drills, but I try to challenge myself and push myself. It's like anything else. I think uh, um, Michaela Schiffner has been a great example of someone that continues to do drills and practice and hone a skill and just continues to drive for that perfection and that process itself can still build a certain level of confidence. So when you do show up, you're looking at a hill and go, you know what? I got this. Now, do the nine of you from the Eastern Division, do you work out together, train together at all? We're building that process. We just got selected this past winter. But to answer that question, yes. And that's one of the things that I think that we're trying to do a different and a better job at as Eastern team members to not only promote what the accomplishments that we, you know, that we've already acquired by making the Eastern team. Um, we've already had at least one training day together. Um, I know uh, I couldn't make it, but up north they had a uh, rollerblade um, uh, event where we had someone, uh, one of the local representatives for rollerblades, have this pull his van up and a couple of us and other uh, just not just Eastern team members, but regular uh, 
uh, instructors show up and we just spend an afternoon playing around with rollerblades. That same van was here locally here in the Washington DC area. So I got a chance to hang out with a lot of folks from Liberty mountain and, um, Whitetail as well, so I kind of did the same thing. I just unfortunately wasn't able to share that moment with my my fellow Eastern team members, but I was able to conduct the, the event as well. So we have a lot of training days, I believe, that are going to be scheduled this winter, not only for us, but also to interact with other uh, examiners, uh, ski instructors, and, and obviously the uh, our, our membership. I can't believe I didn't ask you this yet, Frank. What's your home mountain? Give a shout out to him. <laughs> Hunter Mountain. And not, but but yes, but by the way, but I live here in Rockville, Maryland. And if you are not familiar with that, that's a five and a half hour tr- drive one way. I know I must be nuts, but because of my pursuit toward the national team, my feeling is that I needed a bigger mountain, but yet, yet somewhat close to kind of help prepare myself. So I've, I'm from New York originally. I've kind of grew up around Hunter Mountain. This work has just progressively moved me a little bit south, but I've never disconnected that tie to my home mountain. So as I've moved further south, I continue to go there. And so where I am now, I've kind of drawn the line in the virtual sand that says I'm not going any further south. But because of that, I I'm usually put a lot of miles on my car driving up every weekend during the winter uh, to Hunter Mountain. Well, I'm a little upset with myself because I was doing a number of these interviews when I was out in Annapolis and I wish we'd gotten together in person. Oh, that's great. Well, Sorry, but we know now, so if you ever come by, just give me a yell. Next time. <laughs> Anything you'd like to add in conclusion? Um, yes. Um, one thing, and that is, you know, for those that are listening to this podcast, I, I, you know, one of the points in the driving uh, components for me, trying out for the national team, both considering that I'm technically, you know, not a full-time instructor because, you know, when I'm there on the mountain, I, I work on the weekends, and then I obviously take time off from work to be an examiner. So during the winter, I kind of have three jobs. I have my regular job, and then I work at Hunter Mountain on the weekends as the head coach. And then I take time off from work to actually be an examiner and do events. And one of the things I like to share with a lot of folks, and one of the reasons why I've, I'm going after this, this high-level goal, is that I want to kind of prove a point that even if you're a quote-unquote part-time instructor, you can still achieve those insurmountable dreams. And, you know, and you can still be dedicated to something so much and have so much vested interest and desire that you can still go after it and you don't have to wear the label of a full-time instructor. And that's one of the reasons why I'm pursuing that. There are a number of other reasons, but that's one of the things that I would really like to promote because I think that alone can do a lot to help promote the organization more with a lot. Because when you think about it, at least on the East Coast, the majority of our membership are part-time instructors. And I would love to be that representative to let them know that, you know what, you may be a part-time instructor, but you can still go after your level one, two, three. You can be an examiner. Heck, you can even try out for the national team and make the national team. And that's going to require a lot of work on your part, a lot of events, a lot of time, but it is achievable. Frank Cartwright, thank you so much for joining us on First Chair, and I wish you all the best. Thank you, George. I appreciate it, and thank you. From the PSIA ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.